0: All right, so today on Life Unscripted, I got Mr. Alexander Ford from Measurable Genius, his business. How are you, Alexander? What's up, Fergus? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So I want to kind of get right into the hot, juicy stuff with you right now and kind of in like, how did you get into what
1: you do now? How did I get into what? How did you,
0: um, how did you, kind of, how did
1: you start your
0: path into Measurable Genius?
1: Well, I have authority issues so uh like i'm an only i'm an only child to an upper middle class family and uh i would be that guy hanging out with the delinquents encouraging their delinquency so i've (laughs) i've always had like this affinity to be the second to those in command so to speak it's just kind of been that place i can show up in a room and become like the second to a john demartini or become the second to like someone who's doing something in the world because I have this ability to like connect into what's important to them, I guess. Yeah. Um, And that started out early when I was young because of my authority issues. Uh, I just don't, I don't believe almost anything anybody tells me right away. I like listen and I hear it, um, but I have, I I digest content and I digest behaviors and I digest my experience of people and I let that inform me. Mm -hmm. So, um, I have my authority issues to to thank for that. <laughs> so, you know, uh, not wanting to be uh, run by an authority I didn't understand and didn't agree with led me to like, not really give a fuck about the education system. Um, I happen to be in- intelligent, like pretty smart and I can like game systems pretty well. So I, I was that student that went through school who could have been getting a pluses but only got a minuses because I never tried. Okay. Like I was just too busy going out into the world and figuring shit out on my own. (laughs) So, so I mean, that's Cole's notes. All
0: right. Yeah. So not, you you didn't like to listen to authority. No. So how did not listen to authority shift you into, did did you ever have a job where you had to fucking show up and
1: punch in? Yeah, I worked at Cineplex Odeon for three days. And uh, on the third day I had it in my uniform because they would make us count the cups and they would like lock down the office. It was like command and control. And if you didn't get your cup count accurate, they wouldn't tell you the difference. They would just tell you it's wrong and make you do it again. And uh, so that didn't last. Um, I also worked at Dairy Queen which I loved. I loved it. Uh, But we got to this point where the franchisee owners uh, would leave the supervisor keys in the till, and then they would hold me accountable to shortages. And like, I'm a math guy. I consider myself a pretty world-class accountant uh, based on my experience in running my own business and infrastructure. And I was like, you can't, I'm not short. I'm not short because of my calculations. People are stealing from this till you can't hold me accountable. So I wrote a letter on his computer when he wasn't there. And then I took the letter home to get proofread by my dad. And then the next day I got a call. I was taken off the staff list because he turned on his computer and the letter printed itself again. (laughs) (laughs) So I got fired. And then my dad and I, I learned from my father that when someone screws you over, you don't just let them take you for it. So we called called up Alberta Labor Standards. And uh, ultimately, that franchisee owner was audited. And had his franchisee license revoked. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was a bit of an unintended consequence, but you know, fuck him. Right. So uh-huh. you go from Cineplex, Dairy Queen. And I had other jobs. Like, I worked at a golf course, a driving range, um, as a driving range attendant, um, you know, driving the Are car. The guy getting that. the fucking golf ball smashed at him? Yeah, nice. exactly. Yeah, with my iPhones in, like, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> Or no, I guess it would have been an iPod back then, my bad. Um, Yeah, so I had jobs, but like really my influence came from my babysitter who lived next door, was a computer science major when I was growing up. And when I was about eight or nine, which is right about when um, computers would have become relevant to me, computers became relevant, period. And so what ended up happening is my parents bought, I remember them buying our very first Dell computer with 96 megabytes of RAM and like a 40 megabyte hard drive or something like that. Yeah. DOS on it. And the computer science babysitter would come over and he would just sit me on his lap teaching, me, teach me computers. Um, that evolved into, uh, I would be, I read a lot as a kid. Like I devoured books. I was reading before I was one. And uh, what were you reading? Like, like novels, like, like, um, like Redwall and like, 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 uh, golden compass type stuff, um, like fiction mostly. And then by the time I was 10 years old, I was reading nonfiction, how to do HTML 4.0, how to do CSS, how to code websites, PHP 4.0 at the time. Um, I started developing websites and learning to program. Um, And then into middle school, I knew more about computers than the guy teaching computers. So I ended up teaching middle school information technology I was typing like 113 words a minute in grade seven, and uh, just like taking apart computers, assembling them, building them, fucking around with them. I just have been a technology kid my whole life. Um, and along the way, I was programming for work. I would hide behind a Gmail account and convince businesses to buy websites from me, and uh, show up and surprise them to collect a check. <laughs> that you were a young kid. Yeah. So, and then it just evolved. I've I, like, from the time I was 12 years old, I've had my own business. Okay. Um, I, I guess in a way I learned that from my father. My father had me working at his shopper's drug mart when I was five, four or five. I was punching a time card at five, uh, stocking shelves and being Santa's little helper at Christmas time and stuff like that.
0: Do you think entrepreneur is bred into an individual or it's something that can be transitioned to and learned?
1: Both. Um, I think there are certain predispositions to entrepreneurialism. Um, I think those predispositions can be programmed. Uh, so maybe we just call them dispositions. Mm-hmm. I think there are dispositions that are necessary for entrepreneurialism. Um, I would broaden the label entrepreneurialism and just apply the label knowing how to serve people. Like if there's a free card or a free square in the bingo of Alexander. Uh, my free square is being able to penetrate into an individual and understand how to best serve them whether they like it or not and it really is a pretty varied spectrum of reactions that I get from people uh, when I've chosen to help them depending on if they've chosen to be helped or not yeah Um, and so yeah I mean like let me answer that question more practically I think that there are certain characteristics and certain value orientations that have to be in place for any entrepreneurial venture to be successful. That I know to be certain. Um, but those characteristics could be itemized and inventoried and I think programmatically indoctrinated. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's easier to do that indoctrination by trying to provide people with different tools and different measurements than it is to change behaviors. If we change the tools and we change the measurements that someone lives their life according to, Another way to say that is if we change the story somebody's running right. in their head uh, the way they behave in the world and in that story changes. Okay. So with that I want to follow up because I see you got
0: the 10x growth con in the back and I know you attended Grant Cardone's event.
1: Yes.
0: Yes. All right. So I want to talk about three guys here. I want to talk Grant Cardone, Gary V, Dr. D Martini. Okay. Okay. Grant Cardone is all about, uh, follow the money and he's he sales. Pers- sales, right? So he's tell he'll tell his audience, his fans that go to the money. Gary Vee is like, no, fuck that. It's more about create value, right? Bring value. And then John is like, follow what it is that you would love to do on a daily basis and figure out how to get paid for that. So yeah. when you work with entrepreneurs, what's your route in that of getting like someone who wants to become an entrepreneur, but let's say they're following a hot career trend per se, of really doing what they would love to do. Like what's your take on all those three and what you do and working with people every day?
1: Wow. That's a great question. Um, okay. So it's, and in a way it depends. It's pretty like, it depends on the person, right? Yeah. I consider myself a facilitator more than anything else and a facilitator in the context of, you know, like I'm a resource, I'm a resource as a vendor to you. Let's say, like you subscribe to my monthly strategic advisory or something like that. A lot of customers are going to approach that situation. Like Alexander is now accountable to me perceiving that this was valuable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which means, which means now, They're hiring me, I've become a tool for them, but now that tool is meant to perform somehow, uh, in a somehow isolated way from their participation. And that's how they protect themselves from risk. Uh, And what that really means is that's how they massively underutilize their resources and that's how they abdicate their accountability to put their resources to work, okay? So Mm -hmm. with that premise in mind, one of the objectives that we have when we're indoctrinating our clients into our culture and helping them to manage resources more wisely in their life towards their purpose is is first i help them to recognize that anybody they've hired is a resource and if they're not getting what they want from that resource they're not putting it to work wisely enough and so the accountability is actually on the customer ironically enough right to take in the information yeah, like, 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 listen, I can solve any problem in your business. You give me any business, I'll 10x that business in 12 months if I'm 100% in charge. But when I'm hired by somebody, I'm not in charge. Right. They're still in charge. And so now I'm just a resource and they need to put me to work. And to the degree that they can put me to work effectively and efficiently within my skill sets and my values and put the resources of my enterprise to work for them with mm-hmm. my help, with yep. my help, then they can yield a return on that investment. But if they are abdicating the ownership of that investment, if they don't acknowledge that that's their investment to nurture, they're guaranteed to get nothing. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so so that leads me to John's, the the John pillar. Yes. Right? Which is John has a mandate to activate individuals into leadership by helping them dissolve baggage and discover the underlying automatically expressed condition of purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. And... He informs us through his teaching and his education, and through his construct using the labels "values," right. that that those that purpose is actually not extrinsic. It's not external. It's not justifiable. There's no outside reason for it existing. It simply has an intrinsic, self-perpetuating reward system baked in because of your ontology and because of your experience and who you are in life. Mm-hmm. So leadership and the ability to put resources to work in life depends on how close in proximity you are in understanding or having a story in your mind a talk track that aligns congruently with the neurological and ontological programming that's baked fucking into you right and so the the thing is you can't put resources to work wisely unless you have an absolutely clear critical path to why you would be putting them to work, AKA the purpose, not your purpose, the purpose. And so, you know, the reason I'm a follower of John is because it's absolutely critical that that purpose is, it's not that the purpose needs to be present because it is, but our effort in cultivating a story for ourselves and for the world, AKA marketing, must be a talk track that closely enough lines aligns with the actuality in the individual of what's meaningful and fulfilling to them. Otherwise they're automatically going to misallocate their resources, right? Which means anybody they hire any consultant, any money, any property, any asset whatsoever. An audience is an asset. Mm-hmm. Your, your email list is an asset. Your Facebook viewers are an asset. Your employees are your assets your your family is an asset your relationships are assets your physical body everything in our life if it exists in real life is an asset mm-hmm. so one of the things that john is known for saying is you, to the degree you manage your resources wisely you attract more resources to manage manage towards what <laughs> right so you have to have purpose and so you know, I just, I literally just came from a meeting with a client and he, this is how all of our meetings start. Alexander, I need a website. Can you quote me? No, I don't agree that I don't know that you need a website. And if I take your order for a website, I'm agreeing that you have a plan. And you probably don't, (laughs) right? (laughs) And if You're hiring me to do a website. Like, are you factoring in the 13 other disciplines that are necessary that you've probably tried one after another, none of which will work on their own? All have to be working together so my answer is always no I maybe you need a website I don't know but my question is do you have a plan how how congruently accurate are you in your statement of core values for your business how effectively and clearly have you defined your purpose how effectively and clearly have you defined your big hairy audacious goal how closely aligned in trajectory to what's actually important to you in life are those things and how well are you producing a media empire around those storytelling points in order to enroll the culture of team and employees you're trying to recruit and enroll potential audience in a marketplace to buy your shit, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's where Gary Vee shows up and says, right. just serve people, just serve people. But we have to have an appreciation for people like Gary Vee who make statements like, just go create value because he's responding to something he's not speaking to both sides of something because he believes in his story, one side is already overtly present. And the side that Gary Vee sees is a bunch of non-congruently integrated, non-aligned individuals with any sense of true purpose, just social media bullshit. Yep. And then what he says is, you know you should work, right? You should go work. And so what he's trying to do in kind of a tangential way is indoctrinate the concept of work for meaning work because the work is meaningful, but he communicates it as just at the very least stop bitching, stop procrastinating and just do something, which will foster learning and will foster development. And he's thinking that they're by accident going to find their purpose. I've emailed him on three separate occasions, copying John because Gary V says word for word, if there was a way that I could help you find your purpose, I'd be all over it, but there yeah. not And I'm emailing him being like, Gary, there is one. <laughs> there is actually, there's this thing called a value termination process. That Re- will, which is right? amazing. Right. It'll reveal yes. it. It's not, it's not woo woo. It's legit. Yeah. And, and he's like, I, this is the one piece I'm missing. I'm like, Gary, I know the guy. He's got the piece. You should talk to him. <laughs> hasn't worked yet i'm i'm on a mission they're gonna connect somehow so you know he's like hustle 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 work but here's the thing work is automatic to somebody who knows their purpose of course
0: it's like the kid who loves to play baseball or the girl who loves to go to dance class like that's all they fucking want to do
1: right and so like people look at me they're like you're fucking bananas dude like i get feedback all the time they're like you're the most dedicated disciplined hardest worker i've ever met i'm like here's the thing guys i've just i just see no sense the minute my purpose became clear to me, I recognize, and I'm a technologist, right? So I've kind of yeah. like, I've got two brains. I've got a human behavioral, totally abstract, psychological thinking. And then I've got yeah. this anti which is a gift, which is programming, which is procedural or object-orientated, uh, technological, you plug it in the right way or it ain't working. Every, uh, a thousand things, they all have to be exactly fucking right or none of it's working. That's the IT side, right? Because mm-hmm. I spent, I have a business here. There's nine of us in this building and like 15 years of my experience is in troubleshooting server and digital infrastructure and connecting hundreds of devices to principal domain controllers and like all this tech stuff that it's like if one little widget is out of, out of order, like nine employees are not functional in their job and that's a problem because we have payroll. Right? So I have this tech side and computationally, I'm like, oh my God, I understood John's work. And then immediately my brain is like, literally, I used to play World of Warcraft eight hours a day, click, gone. I used to go do fun shit with my friends, click, gone. It's just like, just deleted from my awareness, all of these, what I'm labeling superfluous, not superfluous in essence, but they're superfluous against the mission. They just became immediately displaced. The only thing that mattered to me was how do I put resources to work towards fulfillment of my mission? And then that compounded with my work ethic, which is present because I want to just achieve shit and I don't like authority. So I'm going to like prove the whole world wrong. I'm just going to work it. Right. And then the question becomes, how effectively can you communicate to the marketplace so that you can get the one thing that's necessary in order to scale a mission, aka a business, which mm-hmm. is attention. Right. And so that's kind of like a mix because attention is fundamentally human behavioral right? So John's work, John could make another fortune in helping people understand how to capture and retain attention, right? Like John could build a media empire if he wanted to. He's got brand control issues, you know, and he's like, whatever he is, 65. So he's too fucking traditional. But like the fact that he doesn't have a video camera following him around is ridiculous, Yeah, I mean, his life
0: is pretty fucking fascinating to average, uh, to anyone, anyone.
1: Right, and so, you know, he's a little out of date and he doesn't want to take the risk, so that's fine, you know, lots of love to him. But the thing is, my experience in learning from John and understanding human behavior comes down to how do you capture, retain, and engage it, excuse me, attention? How do you do that? Well, Grant Cardone basically has that figured out. And looking back on it, it's, really like the most critical component of his skill set, which is he runs through this sales ideology, which is nothing exists for any reason except that somebody wanted to sell it, which means they ultimately just had an idea. He said, I've got an idea. Yeah. Now that I've got this idea, if I want to do anything, if I want to engage in the art of creating shit, which is what life is about, call it a business, call it entrepreneurialism, call it fulfillment, call it mission centered action, call it purpose, Call it whatever you want. It's a compulsion towards creating shit, and to, you can create shit. Like if you've been to Las Vegas, first. Yeah. Okay, so I'm down in Las Vegas for GrowthCon. I've never been there before. I don't party. Right. I don't I Just work. Yeah. So I've never been there, but I go there for this business conference, and I'm staying in a fucking pyramid. <laughs> and on the inside of this pyramid, there's no, there's nothing in the middle of it holding right. it up. So it's like four sticks leaned together turned into a hotel, and it. It has no purpose to be a pyramid, except that some dude was like, let's build a pyramid. Yeah. Right? And so, okay, I want to build a pyramid. How do I build a pyramid? I've got to enroll people. I'm not building a pyramid by myself, right? So in order to like condensate time and space together and like reduce the amount of time it takes for me to build my py- pyramid, because it's not going to get built in a lifetime with one person doing it. We have to enroll others and that means enrolling them into working for you or enrolling them into being your customer or enrolling them into marketing you or enrolling them into sharing your message. In some way, we need to enroll people. You're not enrolling anybody without their attention.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk share the trait of, of producing enough media production to capture attention. And then Grant Cardone has the psychology around sales that basically says once you've got attention, are you making enough offers? it's a numbers game at that point. They'll leave if they don't want it. Right. Oh, okay, fine. Fuck them. Yeah. Right. So like they're, they've all kind of got a mix of of traits. They're kind of like overlapping like a three circle Venn diagram, right? Like,
0: okay. So I want to take that right there. You work with a lot of, you get a lot of entrepreneurs come your way.
1: Yes. Okay. Like dozens of conversations, dozens
0: of conversations. So when you see these people come your way and we just took those three, uh, gentlemen, what is the most, what do you see the most that people come to you that they want? Is it more about the money? Okay. It's about, it about the, like, what is it truly about that you're seeing that it's like the biggest challenge you're seeing with the entrepreneurs coming your way who want to generate business? Where, yeah. where's the, where's the, um, as we would say in chiropractic, where's the subluxation?
1: L- uh, leads. They're like, how do I find more leads? Which translates into how do I scale my company? Okay. Right. So the question they're not asking is, well, and some of them are cuz this language is becoming kind of uh, fancy. You know how language sometimes is fancy like last year it was hustle. Right. Okay, well, th- this is a bit of fancy language. How do I scale my company? Scale up your business. Yeah, scale too. in 10x. Yeah, okay. 10x my fucking okay, blah blah blah. What what they, what they believe is the issue is lead acquisition. It's easy, say easy. Lots of people suck at sales, (laughs) but if you were really to put your mind to it, you can build a sales organization. You can find hunters and you can put them to work, right? You can fulfill your product or your service because 99% of entrepreneurs are not marketing experts, are not lead acquisition experts, are not business development experts. Like like the skill set of building a business is entirely separate from the skill set of fulfilling on the product or service that that business renders, right? Right. So we work with home builders, for example, home builders need to be experts at building houses and they're probably not experts at building a business that equips them to sell houses. Right. So measurable genius is a business that builds businesses. That's the only thing I wow. do. I don't, my business is, the, is in the business of building businesses, which is a little meta, but mm-hmm. I just realized that's a skill set that you really don't have time as a business owner to figure out on your own. If you have 30 employees and you're scaling up into millions or 10 figures or eight figures of like, they're, they're, the probability of someone who loves building houses also loving the process of building a business is close to zero. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It's just, yeah, it's kind
0: of like, you know, I have a, you know, musicians, um, actors, people in the arts, they're the creative types. They have like this uh, creative vision but it's almost like the record labels and the movie companies came in to do the business part of it.
1: Yes. And it's a proven fucking model and business owners in, in mass, like there is a collective mass delusion right now that everybody is good at it. <laughs> like, I don't need mentors. I don't need a business coach. I don't need to actually, I'm going to just learn how to build a business. And I'm like, really? Really? You understand 80% of your business is built on fucking computers, right? Do you know how to plug your computer in? Do you know how to hook up a server? Like, listen, I have a client doing $400,000 a year in online transformation, education, and coaching. So it's like facilitated e-learning. It's not just learning. It's not just coaching. It's coaching and e-learning mixed. He's got three coaches working for him his WordPress website, not including all the SaaS shit that runs around it, has 43 independent integrations. Okay. And then we've got custom themes on top of that with custom code and custom, like, like, so let's just imagine you're a chiropractor. Yep. And you want to scale to $400,000 a year. You're just going to figure out how to make 42 WordPress plugins, 10 SaaS applications, and custom programming and custom design. You're just going to make all that work in 90 days?
0: No, I, mean, I work with a chiropractor now, and uh, I won't mention where they're located or what sex they are, but they have a huge frustration with their uh, billing system and their whole computer system. It's literally kicking their ass um, for the past months. Yeah. And the point like, of like weird, really weird shit in the person's office is happening.
1: Yes, exactly. And they're trying to do it themselves, I guarantee it. And they're like, or, or what they're doing is they're hiring one of many specialized consultants. They have
0: one specialized consultant that keeps changing over all the time consistently.
1: Because they keep hiring different specialists thinking one of them is going to have the key. But the key is, well... I believe the key yeah. building the whole sure you're is key. <laughs> maybe what's actually necessary is all the specialists. Like, like maybe like John says, the world is, is education obsessed and we've, we've created an entrepreneurial culture where we know more and more about less and less. Right. Yep. So let's take the average business owner 20 years ago. There wasn't any such thing as SEO brand development, strategic advisory web application development custom integrations of those plugins and applications web hosting back-end email infrastructure dns records web domains like none of this stuff existed i've just listed like 10. there's actually like 30 or 40 disciplines involved in any functional business right Mm -hmm. i haven't even gotten into Back-end infrastructure, end user desk side support, desktop applications, communication, instant messaging, like the, the list goes on and on and on and on and on, right? And for each of those specific things, we've 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 like we've got this culture where it's like one person has shown up who wants a fee for each of the little bits. Right. And... Okay, let's throw the money away. Let's say money wasn't the problem and you could afford to pay each of these people thousands of dollars a month. Okay, so
0: now I'm paying for, let's say, let's start with social media. I gotta pay for someone for Instagram.
1: Content, Instagram content.
0: Face, yep, then I Facebook. Facebook.
1: You need a videographer, look, videographer, okay? Yeah. Sitting, building me, full time. Then you got like design, brand, communication standards, web development, software application support, right? You have to get an autoresponder or an automation platform. You have to get email communication infrastructure. You like, list goes on and on. You're paying all of those people, let's say. right? How do you make them get along? How do you, here's the thing, each of those people, the SEO guy, the SEO guy comes to the table and he's like, you need SEO. Okay, well, if you talk to Alexander, yeah, you do need SEO but the difference between Alexander who has SEO as one of the people who works on his team and the SEO guy who only does SEO. Yes. The SEO guy, because of who he is and how he has specialized, thinks he should be first. He thinks he's the guy you need now, but maybe you don't. Maybe the SEO guy needs to happen third, but He's probably not humble enough to disqualify himself. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. He's probably
1: not humble enough to play the long game because he needs money, because he's a solopreneur who hasn't figured out how to skill his own business.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, not out of malice, but out of ignorance, which is Occam's razor, right? He's recommending his shit next. And the, the answer is wouldn't it be wiser to bake SEO into the web development strategy? Wouldn't it be wiser to bake the video and the media broadcast strategy into the business 90-day, 120-day, 180-day plan.
0: Kind of like the the Rockefellers.
1: Right. Yeah. Like, and furthermore, how do we know what order to do all these things in? Right. So
0: from what you're telling me here, it sounds like a lot of fucking people who are entrepreneurs are fucking blowing a lot of cash.
1: Yeah, because they cycle around these people. Instead of instead of doing the right uh, conflation's or integrations of people in units. So where does one start? Who comes to you,
0: or let's say, maybe doesn't come to you, but an individual uh, wants to get an entrepreneur has a great idea. They're following their calling, their purpose, uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, There's so much out there. From okay, do I do? Is my business gonna be based off referrals? am i gonna you know implement the facebook strategy am i gonna fucking blast out on instagram like seo
1: i get it i understand the question what should they do well one i've been doing this since i was 12. i have 18 years of experience under my belt and when i sit down with somebody for an hour i know for a fact i can create value okay right so like gary vaynerchuk's advice for a new entrepreneur is the right advice like maybe go accumulate some real life experience so you can triage and respond to someone from a place of service, some actual advice that isn't your imagination and is not an experimentation. Like you need life experience. Uh, he, Gary says very clearly, we're moving from the age of information to the age of reputation. And the reason we're moving from information to reputation is because we need to and we have to depend on people like Alexander who can distill the ridiculous and inordinate number of variables available to me and just tell me what the fuck to do next.
0: Okay, so on that one, you say the age of reputation, which ultimately is trust, right? You're building building your fans. Your fans now, they're yours. They trust you. They love what you put out. Just like in music, actors, uh, baseball teams, sports teams, they build Mm -hmm. a fan base, right? entrepreneurs they call it fucking clients it's the same thing audience audience right so not everyone has the ability uh not too many people have a camera guy follow them all day long
1: well they shouldn't because they actually don't know anything right (laughs) like like that's the thing Is like lots of entrepreneurs are selling shit that's actually worthless and they don't even know it
0: like right so that's like getting into the hot career trend versus actually fucking sitting down and figuring out okay what is it i'd really like to do
1: or accidentally, because here's the thing, anybody who's gotten into graphics design, SEO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, like these specialized consultants, as far as I'm concerned, the fact that I exist represents the end of that era. So like they they may just actually have made a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Like you just bought in on like you bought in on a on a on a career choice that isn't gonna be sustainable much longer with you doing it by yourself right and so then those people have a decision to make like i meet with and i invite if if there's people listening to this and you're a graphics designer or you're an seo person and what i'm saying is pissing you off good right and then the other part of that is you have to find someone like me and join up and do the right thing for the customer which is stop making them manage more people and specializations that they don't know how to manage and humble yourself to find a leader who can truly determine and create value for somebody
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: someone who's chosen the wrong career path that's also a reflection that you don't know how to create value for people yet otherwise you wouldn't have chosen that career path does that make sense yeah if you've chosen a path where people either aren't or shouldn't be buying your shit then that's a reflection of your inability to determine what's actually valuable in the world. As an so, entrepreneur. Yeah. Which yeah. is a reflection of how close and congruent you are with understanding your own values.
0: Which probably would come down to them subordinating some outside authority and then pursuing a career that Or the
1: fantasy of cash or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so yes. that's the thing is it's like are you actually serving people? Like that's the real question. Like like are you actually and like, not just like bullshitting the answer, but like does it serve your clients when you SEO their shitty website that doesn't have any traffic? Like, are you serving your clients by producing video for them around a company that doesn't serve people? Are you helping your clients by selling them coaching services and have, and, and you not actually having ever built a business. So how are you coaching right now? There's optimization coaches and everything else. If people want to pay you to hold them accountable, that's fine. You don't have to have any skill set to hold somebody accountable. But like I kind of have a a bit of a middle finger up for the coaching industry because it's okay. like glorified accountability consulting. <laughs> like I can pay my videographer to hold me account. I don't even need to pay him. I watch my own video. I'm held accountable.
0: Well, I think, the, I think the coaching industry became a hot career trend of, oh, become a coach. Right.
1: Exactly. But hey, here's the next path agree, to
0: coach. But if you're not going to fucking actually study stuff that's legit and actually transforms people and you do the work yourself, there's a little bit of an incongruency there.
1: Yeah. Because if you right. really
0: want to walk the path of a transformational coach, artist of the mind, whatever you want to call yourself, um, you got to be able to deal with your own shit.
1: Yeah. Totally.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, you're not, you, as a coach, you might not be in the business to like what you do uh, per se run, the fucking build the business, but you have a product and a service that fucking works every time you use it. And it's fucking awesome to people's lives once they use it. Yeah. Can you
1: parachute in and like enable a sales team to increase their conversions by 20%?
0: Exactly.
1: Like show me some metrics, show me some measurables and then allow yourself to be sequenced in that business owner's plan and you're good to go. Like here's the thing. You can't you can't focus on more than five things a quarter. Really. Like like show me someone who can achieve more than five and it's against scale. An 8-person company can achieve a different set of five things than an 80-person company. Okay? But like if you really think about it, a business owner can only do can only keep their attention on and close the loop on a certain number of new initiatives every quarter right and so like are are if you're gonna sell yourself to a business owner are you willing to fit into their plan like are you willing to do like can you can you trust that business owner like i have vendors who call me as an it service provider and they're like alexander we have a promo on selling ring central if you can convince three of your customers to buy ring central we'll give them free phones and my response to them is like, do you actually perceive that this is effective? Because my accountability as an IT service provider isn't just a RAM technology down the throat of my client. It's kind of like to make sure they invest their money wisely on the next most appropriate thing to move their company forward. So you creating these sales initiatives on the back end are not actually aligned with my intention to serve my client. Mm-hmm you would build me a different type of program that's not seasonality based against your budget. You would build a program that allows me when I've determined an opportunity to exist, to negotiate within certain parameters so that I'm not having to do it according to your budget. I'm doing it according to my client's need. So the fact that that program even exists means they don't know how to create value for my customer. And so I, just end up with that over and over again. Like, are you willing to fit into the plan your customer already has? Like, are you willing to find out what their plan should be so you can fit yourself into it? That's being accountable, right? Otherwise, it's all about you and your agenda and your need to make money and your ego about acquiring new customers and you growing your business. And that means it's all about you. Instead of, it's about us. (laughs) Like I'm on my mission and my mission is people like you are, is, are you at a place where this makes sense for you? Right. And then where Grant, where Grant Cardone shows up is it's like, so I literally just had a meeting just now. It's a 24 year old kid. He's running a home building business. He's doing 16 projects a year. He plans to do 30 next year. We'll see. Maybe that's not a reasonable plan. Like we'll find out. He wants to do 30. Let's say he's got this objective. Now he's making profit. He's never had a business coach. He's never seen outside his box. And I'm sitting across the table from him being like, you need me. If I were where you were across the table from me when I was 24 and I'm now 30 and, and I got the advice from me that I'm giving to you now, I'd be running a 5 to $10 million business instead of a $1 to $5 million business. I know that. I know that. So now I have a duty. I have a duty to sell to him. Like, I know if he does what I tell him, his life will dramatically transform in multiples against where it will be if he doesn't.
0: And that duty you speak of, that's through your own personal experience of having certainty in that.
1: Because I actually run a Rockefeller Habits organization now. Right. And I'm intelligent enough and I trust in myself enough to like, implant that concept i can look back on my life and ask the question if i were doing what i'm doing now 10 years ago would my life be different
0: it's almost like you know you know the effect of your own service and product of what it actually does on someone's life because you it's what it's done to your own life
1: right exactly and so now i'm like listen it's like you know i started exercising when i was to in 2014 so i've been exercising as a thing in my life for four years okay I'm now at a place in my life where it's like I'm fit and strong and agile and adaptable. And I was 195 pounds at the end of 2013, and I'm now 158, give or take. Like, I lost 35 pounds. I kept it off. Like, I'm toned. I have muscle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a byproduct of exercising now for three years. It's not rocket science for me to ask the question, if I had exercised 10 years ago, would I be more fit, agile, and adaptable and be further in my life than I, was, than I am now? Yes. I'm not saying I should go back in time. I'm not saying I'm not grateful for my experience. There's a lot of that. Like I'm grateful where I'm at, but for the sake of the intellectual exercise, if I were to go exercise when I was younger, like I would have been more adaptable in life, more adaptable in business, more confident in who I am, more certain (laughs) in my expression of self, more Mm -hmm. willing to communicate clearly, more like expressive in general, more willing to promote myself, more willing to do marketing. There's a whole list of things that would have directly measured against my business success. So if I'm now sitting across from somebody who's 30 pounds overweight, who's expressing, I feel like maybe I should start exercise. Like the first thing I'm saying to them is go buy Beachbody On Demand and do P90X3 in your fucking basement. Don't let other crap get in the way. Don't worry about going to a gym. Don't worry about Chat, like just hit play for 30 minutes and two years from now your life will change p 9 is
0: great i did it
1: it works it works so i'm a technologist if i plug a computer in and the computer doesn't work or i buy 10 of one type of computer and i have problems with them every time i'm gonna stop selling it duh right so why is it we're so willing to keep buying or keep selling stuff that if we were to buy it from a retailer, we'd never buy it again. That doesn't make trust.
0: sense. It comes down to the trust again.
1: Right. And so, you know, trust comes with what? Real experience. Right. And then real experience enables us to have foresight. And so, you know, Gary V says, go work. Yeah, you should work. You should work because it'll help you figure out your values. You should right. work because it'll help you develop foresight. You sometimes those
0: jobs you do that suck the most
1: might teach you the most and like, oh shit. I, exactly. to I don't work. like this. I don't like that. Exactly. I don't think, great. Now you know what you do like. Right. right. So you learn about yourself, collect experience, create a muscle for foresight. So that when someone comes along with an opportunity, you can apply that foresight and act. Because the, mo- the saddest thing about this meeting that I had today is that this person was like, I get it. I agree. You're brilliant. It sounds like the right step. You've spoken to all of my pain points. You've got my problem totally understood. I believe you could make a difference. He's like, but I just don't have any experience here. I need a couple days to think about it. And I'm like, really? So what are you going to do in the next two days? How You're just going to magically evoke those experiences into your being? No. He's going to
0: look for absolutely. someone in the environment who agrees with what you said. To make that more trustworthy from someone
1: he knows. Exactly. So he's going to check reputation. Right. Right. He's going to go do those things. If he calls any of my clients, which he won't, but if he did, they'd all be like, hire him.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And that's fine. So he's going to go through his process. But what we also know is he didn't act like this. Right. And so the thing about rich and successful people is that they're trusting enough in their foresight, even if they don't know the details, to step into action when the vector shows up. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if it even approximates a vector congruent with their mission, they're like, I'm in. There's, there's no, only
0: a certain amount of people on this planet, I would say, who truly can grasp that concept too, as well.
1: Say it back to me, the concept, so I know that we're on the same Well, path. when you see
0: the vector show up, it takes the certainty in action within listening to your voice within, because most people have issues listening to the ideas that come to them Cause they have creative ideas that come to them and they're like, Oh wait, I could turn this into a business, but then they just shun their creative ideas off and go out to, to some other person's ideas. And let me take that idea and I'll just copycat that business.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, whatever, they'll develop some foresight that way, but people also have to give themselves permission to trust foresight. They have to trust. Like the thing is, I'm so, I'm so committed to the concept that it's all going to be fine. <laughs> and I'm so committed to the concept that whatever I think is right in this moment is right. I'm just going to mm-hmm. do it. Like, so I don't have, I don't have those barriers, right? Like if it's, if I'm so calculated, my one page strategic plan, like you can I don't know if you can see it up here, but it's like these three pages. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like we've done this five quarters in a row in my business. Like ask me what my brand promises are, ask me what my purpose is, ask me what my brand values are, ask me what we're doing, ask me what my brand story is, ask me what our messaging is, ask me what I believe in, ask what I think is coming next, like, like if you're not building a media production company, you're gonna be dead in five years. If you, yeah, you know, let's
0: let's, let's let's talk about that.
1: The okay. media production.
0: Good. You got daily, I know you have Daily Genius, and I know you just had a new idea for live stream live. Live stream live. Live stream live. Okay. So let's chat about that because I'm I'm a big fan of uh, production and uh, film and stories. And I, you know, seeing on Facebook and social media now, it's everyone is creating more. Not everyone, but people are starting to create
1: stories. Yes. Still a very small percentage. It seems very like a, small, yes, but it's very small, very small. So I don't like this is one of those things. Again, I'm a technologist, right? So I'm not claiming I came up with this idea, but I look at people and where they're spending their resources. Yes. So you brought up Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk runs a, I think it's $180 million, 700 or 800 person firm right now called VaynerMedia. Yeah. Okay. You see no marketing no. for VaynerMedia. Zero, zero, $200 million company and basically zero. I'm sure it's not zero. <laughs> like I'm sure they do something, but he sinks. Like he's got a 40 person brand team. How, many, how much do you think 40 people a year costs? Plus outside consulting, plus creative, plus copy, plus... Well, plus, he's plus, paying them, plus, I'd say a couple million. Okay. So he's putting three, let's say three to five million, plus his personal time. Let's call it 10 million in value. Yeah. Better, into Gary V, And probably zero relative to that on VaynerMedia. Okay. Then he provides us with the following data. This is just data. I'm just a technologist. So let's just follow the data. Mm -hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk, who has a keyhole into fortune 500, 1000, because that's his client. So we've got access to a guy named Gary, who chose to broadcast a message on YouTube, who has access to the marketing spending club. Like if you think about it, the fortune 500 to 1000 their total marketing spend is 99% of the marketing spend on all of the planet. I'm sure that's a bit of an exaggeration, but probably not by much. I just made that statistic up. So don't take it for gospel, but for the sake of this exercise or for this lesson, it's right. accurate. Enough, okay. Even if it's just 90, like and Coke, Coca-Cola probably accounts for fucking 10% of that. Right. right? Let's say they're 90%. Gary Vaynerchuk is telling us in March of twenty eighteen that these companies are still facing the fire hose of their marketing spend on traditional print, radio, and television. Okay, data point number one. Ninety-nine percent of marketing spend is not faced at Facebook yet. Yeah. Point number one. Point number two. Uh Almost 100% of the attention of any of your customers is in Facebook. That's proven. Mm -hmm. The fastest growing demographic on Facebook is like 55 to 67 year old women and begrudgingly their husbands. Okay. Which means Facebook has achieved the full range of age spectrum. Now, the ad product in Facebook is only four years old. And their targeting is just reaching maturity. They, like, you think it's crazy to target people the way we can target on Facebook now? Give it another two, give it another year.
0: Oh, I can't imagine. I mean, you could already put in almost every detail about a person in the fucking, when you want to run an ad. And we haven't
1: even started. Right. Okay. So what that means is that what is currently costing six bucks on Facebook will cost when fortune 500 to 1000 shifts their nozzle and begins to compete in the auction for that exposure will become 10x that 20x that know it, it's costing us today six dollars what will cost 70 80 90 100 dollars in three years
0: all right so i want to talk about that point real quick about the um the trust and you becoming you know a brand to these people and creating your fan base and your, your clients and your following versus, so we got the, the paid advertising with Facebook. Yep. And then as we know, the trust and referrals is a huge business, right? Cause you're talking about trust here. That's where the social media is going through building your audience and you're having your own show, right?
1: Yeah. And it's a land grab because right now there's people who are shopping for somebody to trust.
0: Right. So what's your, what's your take on versus paying a lot of money? Cause there's a lot of people who will go out and dish a ton of money for Facebook advertising. That absolutely sucks. And they're just yeah. spending money. versus building a business. That's a little bit off, not spending too much on the marketing, but you're building that fan base, that trust, that clientele where you don't need
1: to spend pump the money into ads all day long. Well, you're not going to penetrate You're not going to penetrate and build the audience without the spend today. We've gone through two major iterations on the algorithm where building an audience organically is not going to happen. Like I've chosen, we've done what? We're episode 139 today? 130. 130 today. So I've done 129 episodes. We're doing episode 130 today. Yep. Okay. Purely organic. My page growth, zero. Literally zero. How long has this been going? Eight months? I've had you. Yep. Eight, eight months. I've had my videographer eight months. For eight
0: months. You got 130 episodes today, and zero, zero
1: Relatively zero organic.
0: Okay. Is this something you were testing on purpose?
1: <sighs> yes, testing on purpose. Yes. Okay. Insight. Insight around spending. No. So the concept. I came back from GrowthCon with this one concept in mind. Uh, Ezra Firestone. He said this one thing, and it's changed my whole computation. If you tire, want to... guy? Uh, Ezra Firestone. Oh, Ezra Firestone. I thought you said Andrew Firestone. E-commerce guy. His, okay. his message was, if you want to win more customers than your competitors, you simply must outspend them in marketing. And so then, here's what Gary I am spending more than anyone I know, and I'm still massively underspending compared to the market opportunity present with this land grab that exists today. Gary Vaynerchuk says today, in March of 2018, that we're in the second major land grab to ever have occurred on the internet. The first being YouTube, or sorry, Google AdWords from 2001 to 2005, and now we're in the second major land grab, and he's talking like second row of houses on the beach in Malibu land grab. And what, what platform is that? Well, really, right now the platform's Facebook, but the concept is media syndication and becoming that brand personality and beginning to acquire the equity called attention and audience. So what's happening right now, the number one thing your viewers need to hear is that it doesn't fucking matter what business they run. It doesn't matter what they're going to be doing in 10 years. It doesn't matter what their interests are going to be. It doesn't matter what service they're going to be providing or that they do provide functionally those are relevant strategically and tactically like we need to plan for them your business has to have a website you need to have automation we have to have follow-up communication you have to have a sales team blah 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 okay great and if you don't invest right now in purchasing attention by producing media telling stories congruent with your mission that are resonant with your audience and you're entertaining and you create value for people you can build audience now. We can buy audience now as a person. Alexander Ford, nobody's going to buy from Measurable Genius unless they trust Alexander. Yeah. Like I'm the leader. My belief system, my values, why I'm doing what I'm doing, everything that I believe and who I am permeates into my company more than any tactic or strategy could ever change. Right? So you can only trust a business as far as you can throw the leader. And what that means is We all have now a duty, if we want to have influence and currency for transactions in the future, we have a duty to produce a media platform that shares with the world who we are, right? And the reason I didn't start spending on marketing, A, I didn't know to, and B, I didn't even think, well, if I want people to watch Daily Genius, maybe I should just pay to put it in front of people. If I want people to know who I am, maybe I should just pay to be in front of them.
0: Kind of like uh, what movies do and TV shows do.
1: That's it. It's like the average person needs 13 follow-ups. I can pay a person to sit here and do follow-ups, which I'm doing, and I could just simply be present in their awareness. Because if I'm not, they don't know who I am. And it used to be that the way you became aware of people was by walking past them on the street or by walking by their store every day or walking by their signage or walking by, but now you're walking with your head in your phone. And so now I have a duty to put my storefront- In your phone. is Alexander in their phone for them. If I truly believe in myself, I have a duty to do that because if they don't know about me, how are they ever going to hear about my ideas, which are going to change their life? So Greg says, I've got an idea. I need attention. Okay. So I have, you know, 20 conversations, 30 conversations a month with people. And the first thing they say is Alexander, I need leads. The next thing I say is what's your marketing budget? The next thing they say is, well, I'm not spending because I don't know what works. You know what my answer is? Spending money fucking works. Like, doing up a video that says, hey, my name's Alexander, I run an IT service provider in Calgary, Alberta, and one of my missions is to make sure that our clients never end up holding the bag of a specialized contractor they've hired again. If you have that problem, call me. (laughs) Okay, and spend 20 bucks a day To put that video in front of people, according to the innovation adoption cycle, two and a half percent of people are gonna be innovators for my offer and they're gonna buy my shit no matter what. Explain to me how marketing is a gamble. It's not. The gamble is, do you believe in yourself and your message and your story and what you have the potential to do in the world enough to put yourself in front of the people, to expose who you are to people by spending money to put your video in front of them in their newsfeed. Do you have the guts? Do you believe in yourself enough? And if you don't, then it's not about your business, and it's not about your offer, and it's not about your product, and it's not about your marketing, it's not about your message. It's about your belief in who you are as a person. Right. Are you gonna give up? Are you going to leave them holding the bag? Do you actually give a shit about what you sell? Do you feel that what you sell is meaningful and is going to make a difference? And if the answer is no to any of those things, that's why you're not marketing. Mm-hmm. So mission number one, you better get clear that you want to help people, that you actually do help them when they give you money. Find evidence for that because we're storytelling machines and our stories can be anything we want them to be. And the, the way we can program our own stories is by finding evidence to support what it is we want to believe because we can find evidence for anything we like. So if you're a person who's out there and you're like, well, I don't know if I make a difference, start looking for evidence. Where do you make a difference? Yeah, because a- yeah, that's yeah. just bullshit. Then telling themselves that it'll make a difference because they actually do. And it's no different than John says to own the traits of the greats, to look out into the world and see where you have what you see in others. Right. What is he teaching us to do to find evidence, to support the stories that are going to be congruent in moving us forward with our actual behavior. So, Find evidence for where you deliver a service. Find evidence for where you have value. Find evidence for where you've served people. Find evidence for where your story has been compelling and impacted people. And to the degree that you find evidence to support who you are as a person, as a, a serving and caring individual, then you're going to feel confident in telling those stories because now you have evidence. It's not just a fantasy. You're not faking it till you make it.
0: Yeah, and that shit doesn't work.
1: The message to get shared. And then you have to hire a media firm to wrap all that shit in a well-produced story that people will actually stop in their newsfeed to watch, which is where we're pivoting Measurable Genius, right? Like, like we're an IT service provider, and a polymathic service provider, and a strategic advisory firm, and now a media production agency with a mission to basically find entrepreneurs who are willing to become famous, figure out their story, help them acquire new leads and scale let Okay,
0: so let's, let's, let's chat about that because that sounds pretty fucking cool uh, turning into a media firm. So what are you guys going to do?
1: Well, I'm trying some new stuff. So one of the things that I'm doing for our marketing is what you mentioned, live stream live. I had this idea. Uh, I did a podcast, call it a podcast, not a podcast cause it's not recurring. Okay. Yeah. I did a podcast format show with John when he was in town mm-hmm. and, uh, it's like really well performing. I think it's like one of the highest quality interviews with John on YouTube. Um, and so he's coming back to town in April and I was like, how do we level this up? Like, how do we bring our brand? How do we bring all this to How do we make it entertaining? Cause one of the things that I've been missing in my life that I've sort of just woken up to is yes, I'm technical. Yes, I'm strategic, but it's also important to have fun. <laughs> right. And I like to be entertained and I love the show that Grant Cardone put on at 10 X growth con. So I was like, Hey, how do I entertain people and do a podcast? So um, we're basically going to do the exact same thing. We're going to, do a podcast recording, but it's going to be talk show format in front of a live studio audience here in Calgary, Alberta, and simulcast live on Facebook live from that auditorium to the internet. Um, and really, I mean, those are conventional ideas. Those are digital marketing concepts and live in-person marketing concepts that have been around for a while. All I'm doing is saying, let's bring digital and in-person together, right. and let's tell a story about how business owners can use these mixed media formats to produce engaging in-person events, create a community, uh, learn, learn really high quality content stuff, experience it live in person, and then still get to experience the recording at home. So we're playing with that type of format. I want to mix things up that way. Um, the other thing we're going to do here in Calgary in the next year is build out a full media studio. So like I've got this vision. Grant Cardone has his YouTube set. Yeah. I'm trying to be better, basically. And so for those of us, for our, for our clients who are in the market in Calgary, per regional to that location, um, we're going to start spinning up shows and use that as a cultural hub for the production of media content, in particular, using the language show. Every person needs a show. People reach you when they want to come and build business.
0: How do they get a hold of Mr. Alexander here?
1: Oh, you can hit me up on my website, measurablegenius.com. There's a form, fill it out. Myself or my team will get back to you. Follow me on my Facebook page where we do our daily video blog, almost daily video blog called Daily Genius. Um, I'm pretty responsive. Like send me messages, I'll reach out. I'm not like cloistered in an inner sanctum with security guards and all that type of shit yet. Yet. You know, so like really just reach out. I'm a human being on Facebook trying to grow my business to share a mission with the world. So if I can help you, I will. If we can... Engage as, as a client, that's great. Uh, I, I just want to produce a platform and begin to build audience and build attention around the concepts that you're probably doing a bunch of dumb shit you don't need to do to grow your company. And with a bit of advice from people who are polymathic, the Renaissance man, the people who are across disciplines, mm-hmm. is your future, whether that's me or anyone else, there's got to be other people like me. And so like the one thing I want people to get is you need to stop hiring specialists that have specialized too far. You need, it's not possible. You can't manage 10 employees and 17 specialists and have everyone be on the same page. It's just not functional. So if I can help solve some of those challenges where other specialists have failed, I would love to help.
0: Yeah, man, to help grow business and help people do what they love on a greater level. Totally. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time today in this uh, awesome conversation we had.